You're a 415er. 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Back with the 415ers, Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you as always, three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. Download, rate, subscribe, five stars. And especially, I think five stars are appropriate, Mark, considering about a five-star effort on Sunday from the 49ers against the Carolina Panthers. They take them down 37 to 15, the highest point total from a 49ers team since week 1 of 2021 when they scored 41 against the Lions. They pretty much pulverized the Panthers in a lot of different areas and although it may be a bit marred by some injuries that they sustained, of course not everything was exactly perfect, but they did what they had to do to win this game, Mark, and that is to me worth something. Yeah, I mean, it was dominant from start to finish. Maybe a little slow starting on the offensive side for the 49ers, but they picked it up specifically in the second half. A couple of really important drives in the third and then spanning third and fourth quarters to put the the game away. I know we had both talked about uh, this this 49er team, um, you know, going to really limit Carolina's offense this this week uh, just because of, uh, you know, how, how much they've struggled. And we were both talking about how the Panthers might be lucky to get in double digits this week. They did. They got 15 points, but really the best they moved the ball was in the fourth quarter in garbage time when the game was over, when the 49ers were playing without Nick Bosa, without a few other players, which we'll certainly talk about as well. But uh, really a dominant performance. I don't know about you. I, I never really felt like the Niners were in any danger, even when you know, they didn't score on their first drive. They ultimately then go down. Jeff Wilson was good on the ground to get their offense rolling. Uh, Kittle was involved early despite the fumble. Uh, they couldn't really get the ball to Debo early, but it still never felt like the 49ers were in, den- or in danger. And that wasn't really the case. You felt in week one in Chicago, week three in Denver, you kind of always felt the other teams were hanging around and they were one drive away from kind of taking the game back over. Uh, but it, it did not feel that that way this time around, at least in my opinion. Carolina was never in this game. The Niners, just a matter of getting in the end zone once in the second half, and that was going to be enough. And uh, ultimately, they did that. I think the last two weeks, clearly the best performances we've seen from the 49ers uh, this season, and they seem to be getting better as, as uh, you know, the season progresses, which is, of course, what you expected and what you want to see. But this was just another step in the right direction for the 49ers. Yeah, I think that was the reassuring part for me is having back-to-back weeks where you looked like close to, if not the best version of yourself. And, hey, Mark, I'm going to give you a chance to take a victory lap, like the magic number. You brought it up <laughs> on our Friday episode 17. I know you were tweeting about it during the game. Uh, I wish I had a round of applause audio that I could play right now, but the magic number <laughs> rung true. One in 27 for Matt Rule, right? Yeah, one in 27. Uh, he is as head coach of the Panthers when the Panthers defense allows 17 uh, or more points. And the Niners got that uh, 17 mark relatively early at that point. I, I, you know, I tweeted out game over. Don't need to pay attention anymore. Everything else is just extra. It doesn't matter. And lo and behold, the Panthers did not get to 17. So, uh, the game would have been over at that point if the Niners offense stopped playing, but they added on. They got 20 more points, 37 to 15, the final score. And uh, 
Matt Rule, another notch in the uh, the the loss column, and it might be his last one because the the Panthers might fire him after this after this game. We'll see if if he's still standing, but uh, he's probably getting close to the to the end of the line in Carolina. Yeah, as someone who is touted for being able to. Uh, extract offense out of lesser talent like he did in college at Baylor. Uh, it has not been the case in the NFL and certainly not today against the San Francisco 49ers defense, which looked like despite some of the losses it sustained is still number one in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, it, Nick Bosa goes out, doesn't play what the whole second half uh, dealing with some other injuries as well. Uh, I mean, Jimmy Ward, he, he came back for the first time this year, played in, in his first game of the year, and, and he missed most of the game. Uh, Kyle Shanahan said a, a broken hand uh, for Nick Bosa groin. It was a little tight. Doesn't seem to be a big deal at all. Then the other big one is Emmanuel Mosley, who had that pick six uh, in the second half, which really helped put the game out of reach as well. Uh, no official update as we record this year on, on Sunday evening, but Kyle Shanahan said post game that the Niners are fearing that it could be a torn ACL. If that's the case, he's done for the year. That is a big blow, but despite all of those things, and, and we'll talk more about what that means for the future of the team, team, I'm sure, Evan, but despite all those blows, despite all those players missing this game, at, at least in certain times, you also add in you know Eric Armstead, who did not play at all, Javon Kinlaw, they're already down to Ziz Shire at linebacker as well. Jason Verrett hasn't played in the defensive secondary. All of that together and this team still put together a really good defensive performance. It's impressive. Now you're going up against one of the worst, if not the worst offenses in football. They reached 300 total yards for the first time all season in this game. The Niners defense allowed 300 total yards for the first time all season. So probably not their best performance, uh, probably not their second best performance defensively. Uh, but still, you could see the makings of an elite defense, despite the fact that they were playing without a number of starters for much of the game. Yeah, and I want to stay there with the defense before we move to the offense, before we talk about some of the injuries that cast a tough, dark shadow over this game. The defense itself, as opposed to Monday Night Football, where there was clearly a star and an exclamation point you can point to and say, Talano Hufanga ended that game. I mean, I guess maybe in the first half you could say with the magic number that you laid out that <laughs> Emmanuel Mosley's pick six with uh, 43 seconds left in the second quarter ended the game on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. But it was much more to me of a, of a complete complimentary effort and one in which I didn't really see Pan the Panthers – Granted, their weapons aren't great, but there was not many explosive plays. There was not much creativity from Christian McCaffrey. Baker Mayfield looked like the quarterback that he had been through the first four weeks, a terrible one. And there were virtually no missed tackles. I, th I think I jotted one down in the third quarter because I was just so amazed that, you know, Drake Greenlaw couldn't wrap up Christian McCaffrey or something like that. But on the outside, the corner play was excellent. Um, tackles, uh, Dre Greenlaw had 11 total on the game. Warner right behind him. He had a couple tackles for loss. And to me, the, the number that I look at, especially with a Panthers team that Christian McCaffrey, for all intents and purposes, is their offense. That is their go-to guy. Yeah. And he had, if I total it correctly... 21 touches for 104 yards. So that's receiving, rushing, five yards per play when Christian McCaffrey got the ball. If that is 
and I think we both believe him to be one of the best playmakers in the game of football today. And clear RB1, he's their guy, and you shut him down, or not maybe shut him down, but you limit his day, you contain him. And it is not surprising that I look at the scoreboard and see the Carolina Panthers with only 15 points. McCaffrey had the only touchdown on the day for them. That makes now five touchdowns in five games that the 49ers defense has allowed. And they were absolutely dominant. They flew to the football. They made tackles when they had to, and they kept everything in front of them against a Panthers team they should have dominated and did dominate on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, you look at the numbers for McCaffrey, 14 carries, 54 yards, under four a pop on the ground. If you're the Niners, you'll take that. He did break one for 19 yards, had that touchdown that you mentioned. But in the passing game, obviously the numbers that stand out is just how involved McCaffrey was there. I mean, 12 targets, seven catches, but only 50 yards. So only seven yards per catch uh, in his, you know, on his seven catches. So that's a really good number as well. But what stands out, I think, when you look at this offense for Carolina, clearly it's McCaffrey. But the fact that he had 12 targets, in the passing game, even if you didn't watch this game and, and and see all the pressure that Baker Mayfield was under and how uncomfortable he felt at times and how well the 49ers coverage was downfield against the likes of DJ Moore and, and Robbie Anderson and a few other guys, Smith, the receiver who had four catches. Uh, what that tells you, 12 targets for Christian McCaffrey is that the coverage was good downfield? Is that Baker Mayfield didn't have much time to throw? Is that Baker Mayfield was feeling uncomfortable? So if you're the 49ers and you see that 12 targets for Christian McCaffrey, you chalk that up as a win because it means you're not getting beaten down the field. It means your pressure is getting to Baker Mayfield or at the very least not letting him wait and see his, his targets developing in their routes down the field. Christian McCaffrey with the most touches, obviously is is what Carolina generally tends to do because he is that good. But the way that the touches came and where they came generally in the flat, quick throws over the middle of the field, that's a win for the 49ers because McCaffrey is not going to be able to break those very often for big plays with this swarming defense that you mentioned. Not many missed tackles. I think the numbers and the way that they broke down in terms of touches and where the touches came from I think signify a win for the 49ers defense. And then you you actually watch the game, and I, I think you see that backed up. And, of course, the end result, only 15 points for Carolina, uh, certainly uh, a positive uh, for the 49ers. And I thought what was interesting was, one, there were more 49er fans, it seemed, at the stands in Charlotte than Carolina fans. And they were not shy at booing their team early in the game, after three and outs, after they refused to go for it on fourth and short on their first drive. I mean... Uh, this is a, a fan base, it seems, that that uh, is not too confident in, in the direction of their team. The Niners did their part to push them further along in that path. Sure. And the word I want to key on what you used was swarm, because I know that that was something that throughout uh, the game, a lot of people of Twitter were sort of curious about. D'Amico Ryans has the acronym SWARM you know, written on the back of his play sheet. And, of course, that stands for Special Work Ethic and relentless mindset, whether it's swarm or swarm, we're not really going to cut <laughs> hairs here, uh, but <laughs> swarm stands for special work ethic and relentless mindset. And today it certainly was that because as much as, again, I, we kind of touched, touched on it, but there wasn't one player to me that was like, okay, this was the dude. I mean, they had six sacks 
and not a single player had more than one. So there were a bunch of different guys. We talk about how on offense, you know, the 49ers try to get the ball to a lot of different players. Well, on defense, there was a lot of different players that contributed to making plays in the passing game, to making plays in the running game, to getting to Baker Mayfield and making him uncomfortable to the extent that the number I kind of jotted down coming into the game was 11 batted passes. Like how would Baker Mm -hmm. Mayfield basically up against a stout 49ers front, would he hesitate? You know, would, would he get happy feet? And that's in a weird way what I thought almost produced the pick that Emmanuel Mosley turned into seven points because Baker Mayfield, he double pumped, he triple pumped, and then he didn't really know where to go from it because he's had so many passes batted down at the line of scrimmage that he just lets it rip. He overthrows his target. Mosley is there to clean it up on a silver spoon and then take it all the way to the house. So like the defense altogether, as much as, you know, we sort of, I think, expected them to give Carolina fits. It was reassuring to see it actually happen and happen in different ways when, like you mentioned, Nick Bosa missed in large part a lot of the second half. Jimmy Ward gets hurt on the first play of the game going down with his hand injury. And then, you know, Emmanuel Mosley, unfortunately, having his miraculous day and potentially season cut short, whereas after the game, Kyle Shanahan saying that, they're expecting, you know, the, the knee injury certainly is there, could be an ACL, could be a potential season-ending injury for Emmanuel Mosley, where on the play, he makes a great, you know, defense down the field on a deep ball that Baker's trying to get to one of his wide receivers. He goes up and bats it and then gets rolled up on, potentially has his season over on a play in which he, and really in a game in which he had a coming out party that Emmanuel Mosley nearby his hometown in Greensboro, North Carolina. So I'm sure he had a lot of family and friends in attendance in a game in which he balls out and has it cut short. That's the type of feeling that I feel a lot of 49ers fans had is that this game was something you expected. They dominated. But what's looming larger now are the injuries. Yeah, the injuries are are unfortunate, and they're really piling up. I mean, you think back week one, Elijah Mitchell, week two, Trey Lance, week three, Trent Williams, week four, you know, Eric, uh, Eric Armstead, who's probably going to be out next week as well, Kyle Shanahan said earlier this week. And then this week seems like nothing serious for Nick Bosa and, and Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold, of course, who the kicker who was taken out on a couple of kickoffs. He had to lay his body on the line, and, and it probably took a, a bit of a bruise there on his plant leg. Uh, Jimmy Ward, a broken hand. Not sure what that's going to mean. If he can play with a club, I'm, I'm sure he, he would want to. And then Emmanuel Mosley is is the one that's likely going to be the uh, the one the Steiner team feels the most moving forward. But I wanted to focus on that interception here for a moment as well, because I don't know how you felt. We didn't watch the game together, but when that drive started, it was late in the first half, as you mentioned. I think I might have said earlier it happened in the third quarter, but it happened late in the second quarter. And you could kind of sense that Baker Mayfield was going to make a mistake. I, I said as I was watching the game, you know, all right, this could be a chance for for a pick six for the 49ers. It's late in the in the first half. The Panthers are trailing. They're gonna try to throw the ball. Baker's gonna try to get a get it back with with a deep throw. And you know, the Niners pressure, you know, got to him and, and he threw it ill-advised and picked off by Mosley and a convoy of Niners ahead of him led him into the end zone. So you could kind of feel it coming, and I think the Niners defense did as well. They knew you know, play hard this final, you know, minute of the of the second half or the first half, the second quarter, and you could be rewarded with a pick six. And now for consecutive weeks, uh, they score on defense. Um, and it was actually at one point, I, let me 
think about this. I got to do the math in my head. From the second half of the Monday night game, Evan, into the first half of this week on, on week five, Jamico Ryan's in the defense scored 14 points while uh, Kyle Shanahan's offense scored 13 points. So from a full game from the second half of Monday night to the first half this week in Carolina, the defense was outscoring the offense, which is pretty wild. And that was, of course, thanks to that uh, Emmanuel Mosley pick six. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you here on the 415ers podcast. As always, Monday, Wednesday, Friday reaction episode here today for the 37 to 15 49ers victory in week five against the Carolina Panthers. The defense, by the way, has still yet to allow a touchdown in the first half through five games. Have not done it so far. Uh, Although I was a little disappointed in them about five yards per play for the Panthers today. That's going to, that's going to jack up the the (laughs) 3.8 that it's had so far this year. Uh, How dare they? How dare they? They're not, not going to be on pace for the uh, stingiest defense of all time anymore after this one. That's too bad. It, it it's simply unacceptable. No, so what <laughs> what I also and I want to transition to the offense now a little bit. You know, to me, I, we we got the graphic down at the bottom there. Jimmy Garoppolo, eighteen of thirty, two hundred and fifty three yards and two touchdowns. With most importantly, zero turnovers. I know that George Kittle had a fumble early, but you know, you, you were sort of talking about was there was there a a danger zone at all? Was there a time in the game when you felt like Carolina was in it and that? End of the second quarter maybe was the only time that I did, considering they had the ball with technically a chance to tie. Of course, Mosley goes in and then makes the pick six that effectively ended the game. But in the second half, you know, Carolina goes down and, and moves the ball. They get some help on special teams from back-to-back long returns, which led yeah. to the Robbie Gold injury that you talked about. But the 49ers offense in that second half, three touchdowns like they finished drives and for the game went four of four in the red zone whereas in games past through the first four weeks tossing a couple of them out because of the lance factor but specifically denver rams and then now with the panthers there were times the last two games where i felt like the offense stalled a bit could have gotten more and today against a team they should have punished absolutely did especially offensively being able to finish drives yeah, you were right in that second half. The the offense, you know, did a great job punching it in the end zone. That Debo Samuel touchdown, who the Niners really struggled to get him going, specifically in the passing game. And they didn't really try much in the running game. But in the passing game, he was targeted a lot, but just they never could connect Garoppolo and him. So it was good to see them finish that drive with that. And then uh, there was the um, Jeff Wilson Jr. touchdown run as well. I think that came early in the fourth quarter, and that was – really the the final nail in the coffin. But I want to focus here a little bit on the play calling in the first half. I think we saw Kyle Shanahan be a little more aggressive, specifically on early downs than we've seen in the past. I mean, you look at the game as a whole, first down plays. What's the play call for the 49ers? It was in favor of runs, 15 runs to 12 throws on first downs for the 49ers. Generally, Kyle Shanahan offenses, they're going to run more on first than they pass. And I know that's kind of, you know, a point of contention for 49ers fans. They want to see their team be more aggressive on first downs. That was the case in the first half. You look in the first quarter, the Niners ran eight offensive plays on first downs, two runs, six passes. It evened out a little bit more in that second quarter. It was six run, eight pass overall in the first half. And then you figure with a lead in the second half, you're going to see Kyle Shanahan get a little bit more conservative, 
try to run some clock and, you know, just take away any Carolina chance of winning the game by putting together some long drives. The Niners did that. They got into the end zone. They won the game. But I don't know about you, but I was encouraged in the first half with how willing Kyle Shanahan was to put the ball in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands. There were some play action ones. There were some screens. There were early throws to George Kittle. Um, over the middle, Jawan Jennings for a long gain. Uh, I was encouraged with the play calling, specifically on early downs, first downs, throwing the ball, allowing Jimmy Garoppolo to get in a rhythm. You know, he talked after week three how, you know, it takes some time to get back in the swing of things. I think we see it now, and I think we see Kyle Shanahan play calling uh, you know, kind of confirming that, that Jimmy Garoppolo is feeling better, that he's more into a rhythm now, because we did not see play calling like that the first few starts for Jimmy Garoppolo, but we did in this game. So I think that means Kyle Shanahan is feeling better about Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing better, and I think we might see that trend continue, especially when you run the ball as well as they did today. It affords you the ability to throw on early downs, one, because the defense might be expecting run, and two, because you're confident you can get six yards on a second and 10 and set up a third and manageable. So I think we're seeing Kyle Shanahan kind of evolve uh, with his play calling early on downs and trying to get a bit more aggressive with Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, I think there's a few branches there, a lot of good points. One I felt like the play calling was consistent throughout the entire game. The difference was they didn't finish those drives in the first half or, you know, they had a blocked field goal. There was a fumble. There were certain things that happened that didn't affect the way that Shanahan called the rest of the game. He stuck to his plan and eventually the dam burst as we talked about on Monday night against Los Angeles Rams. The same thing happened today, just much earlier against the Panthers Two, I felt like, the run or sort of the sorry the pass set up the run today and that could be something to keep note of moving forward how Shanahan wants to use Jimmy Garoppolo on early downs trusting him more to move the football which leads to the third point which I felt like Shanahan trusted Garoppolo a lot more today, and that trust was then extended from Jimmy to his weapons. We saw him put a couple balls in the air for George Kittle, for Jawan Jennings, for Tevin freaking Coleman, throwing him a 28-yard jump ball on the sideline. like He was okay on third down, on early downs, being willing to put a ball in a place where his guy could go make a play, and that as much as sometimes gives 49ers fans pause because Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing near a defender today, it worked out for him because I felt like everyone was on more of a same page. Even though Debo didn't have too many touches, they saved him for when they needed him to. And I felt like getting Ayuk involved, getting Jennings involved, getting Kittle involved just made the offense flow that much more seamlessly to the point where in the second half, Carolina really just didn't have any answers. Yeah, no, they didn't. And I want to focus on that Tevin Coleman catch because there's kind of a funny story behind it. So Tevin Coleman talked post game and he said that they ran that play in practice all week long. And Jimmy was supposed to be throwing the ball to Tevin Coleman on the sideline. But for whatever reason, he just didn't. He was supposed to throw there, but he didn't. And, you know, they would talk after practice and Jimmy would be like, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, man. 
I'll get you the ball in the game. I promise you, like I'll throw it to you in the game. But the way the play is designed, it's only supposed to be thrown to Tevin Coleman if it's a linebacker running with him. But guess what? It was a defensive back running with Tevin Coleman on that play. But Coleman was still confident that Jimmy was going to throw him the ball because of the promise that Jimmy Garoppolo made him after not throwing him the ball in practice. So Jimmy, despite facing heavy pressure, put a nice ball up on the sideline only where Tevin Coleman could get it. And a running back who was, you know, a free agent just a few weeks ago goes up and makes an incredible play on the sideline. Uh, Just a remarkable play. Maybe the, the least probable play in this entire game there that Jimmy Garoppolo to Tevin Coleman, you know, catch. And I'm not sure what was, you know, more impressive Garoppolo's throw, considering he got hit hard, right, as he released it or Coleman's catch, you know, coming from a running back position to make that kind of play. A funny story on that play, but uh, one of the more impressive plays of the day for sure. Yeah, definitely. And and I didn't have a chance to listen to Tevin Coleman after the game. That's fantastic. And <laughs> look, it, it, it again, I think, furthers the point that there appears to be more trust offensively between head coach, quarterback, play calling, and the entire offense. I mean, I know a big question that we had on, for Monday was how would they get Kittle involved? Big question for this week, how would they get Kittle involved? Well, two of the first three plays went to George Kittle. So yeah. right off the bat, they were going to let Carolina know our tight end will be used today, uh, even though they didn't technically get him the ball in the second half. Um, <laughs> I think he had yeah the five for 47 on six targets, all of which in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, but then Ayuk I, got going in the second half. He had some chunk plays. Jawan Jennings had a big third down in the in the second half where you know Jimmy had pressure coming, had to get the ball out. wasn't the best throw, but Jennings turns what probably should have been a four yard play and a fourth down into like a fifteen yard third down conversion. So look, the Forty ers had every right to believe that they should outplay Carolina today, and they did. So harping back to the point that. You expect domination in a situation like this, and they give it to you, especially offensively, through the air, on the ground. They did what they had to do. And that's why, at least for me, you know, it, it's a little hard to say, all right, this person was absolutely excellent today because everyone was good. Everyone had to be good for them to beat Carolina, and that's what they did. Yeah, I wanted to jump back to something you mentioned. It was that Juwan Jennings third down conversion. It was that drive that spanned the third and fourth quarters. That was their third big third down conversion of that drive. And this was a really, really important drive. First, it was the third and eight to Kyle Juszczyk, who made a nice play along the right sideline, broke a tackle, got the first down and a whole lot more. Next third down, third and eight, a conversion to Brandon Ayuk. You mentioned not much Kittle in the second half, not any Kittle, at least in the passing game in the second half, but Jimmy Garoppolo kind of spread the targets around and got others, including Ayuk, involved. That's two big third and long conversions. And then the third is that third and 10 to Juwan Jennings that you previously mentioned. Three huge third down conversions on that drive eventually turns into a Jeff Wilson Jr. one yard touchdown. That made it 30 to 12 49ers with uh, 12 and a half minutes left in the game. Game's over at that point. Three huge third down conversions overall in the game. The 49ers, seven of 12 on third downs. Not many of them were as long as those three, third and eight, third and eight, and third and 10. Uh, but I think that drive specifically, we saw you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and his receivers come through in big moments. And that might have been you know, the most important drive of the game. If, if you don't get that third and eight, the first one, 
the Panthers get the ball right back with decent field position. Who knows how the game might change? Not saying the defense is going to give up a couple of scores to allow the Panthers to win that game, but it could have come down to the wire more than it did if it weren't for those three big third down conversions from three different players, none of which named Debo Samuel or George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Brandon Ayuk, and then Juwan Jennings. We're seeing the depth of this offense as well in this game. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. The 49ers were good offensively. They were good in the running game. I mean, they were averaging about five and a half yards per carry midway through the second half. Um, I know garbage time is going to change some of the overall numbers, uh, mainly more defensively than offensively because they didn't really try and uh, continue to capitalize on Carolina. But, you know, and look, Jimmy Garoppolo, I know that we always have something with a butt at the end of it for Jimmy G today, but he was Jimmy good. Like he wasn't Jimmy great, but he was Jimmy good. And that's what the 49ers need him to be kind of talked about at the beginning of, of this you know, discussion about the offense, but zero turnovers are the most important number that I look for when Jimmy Garoppolo is under center. Like he had some, he had some bad plays, right? I mean, there was a, I think there was a, play in the first half that probably should have been picked on a throw towards Debo Samuel in the first drive or second drive part of me where Carolina had a chance to make a play did not that was a Jimmy oh no throw I know in the first drive of the second half uh, Jimmy got bailed out a little bit on a fourth down where he had George Kittle open he had Juwan Jennings open running up the seam he instead tries to force it to the outside and they get a call on Carolina's defensive back that extend the drive and then turns into a four-yard touchdown eventually to Debo. But the play before that, he was a little late getting it to him in the back of the end zone, in which Debo couldn't make a play on it, but then you know gets erased, of course, because all is well that ends in a touchdown. So there were some throws that I think Jimmy Sherwood would have wanted back, and 18 of 30 is nothing to write home about, but he made the plays, as you alluded to, on those three third downs that they needed him to make. And that is when the 49ers offense, I believe, is at their best. Maybe it's not always going to be perfect, but they are converting when they need to. And against a team like Carolina that has no reason to believe they should be in a game, you can't give them any. Offensively, they didn't do that today. What I thought was interesting was Jimmy Garoppolo actually was more efficient and generally better throwing the ball when he wasn't targeting Debo Samuel. And I think... You know, we saw J.C. Horn, the young corner for Carolina, kind of match up with Debo for much of the game. And and J.C. Horn went out with an injury in that second half. We hope he's all right moving forward. But overall, Garoppolo, you can see the stats if you're watching on YouTube. 18 of 30, 253 yards, two touchdowns. When targeting Debo Samuel, Jimmy Garoppolo, two of nine passing for 20 yards in that one touchdown. When targeting everyone else, 16 of 21 for 233 yards and a touchdown and of course no turnovers when he was targeting anyone no turnovers at all in the game so interesting numbers there you know I can't it kind of makes you feel like the the Panthers were going to lock down or at least try to lock down Debo Samuel and they were okay with Jimmy Garoppolo and other 49ers weapons beating them and Jimmy Garoppolo took what the defense gave him and you got to credit him for that this was a good Jimmy game as you mentioned And if Jimmy Garoppolo plays at this level, Evan, for the rest of the year, you know, maybe some minor hiccups here or there, maybe a bit better in some, a bit worse in others. But if he plays on average at this level, Evan, the 49ers will have a chance to be the number one seed in the NFC. He played well enough to win. When you have a defense like this, you're going to win a lot of games when you get just this level quarterback play 
from your starter. Well, you're going to get three episodes a week on the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. My name is Evan Giddings. That is Mark Grandy. I'm on social at eGiddings10. Mark is on social at Mark Grandy. Mark with a C, Grandy with an I. Download, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. I'm glad you mentioned that, and specifically the number one, because although you know maybe a little premature, it's only week five. 49ers are in first place in the NFC West. They are three and two. Every other team in the NFC West lost today with the Rams getting dominated by Dallas. The Cardinals coming up short against the Eagles. And then Seattle in another shootout with another bad team. They lose to the Saints. The Rams so, are in trouble. My goodness. That they are. And we can certainly devote some time to shellacking uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> but my point is, last week, Mark, we had the discussion of, are the 49ers the best team in the NFC West? They were, by the tiebreaker, literally number one. And I think after last week against the Rams, taking them down, you could say yes. This week against Carolina, it's a bad opponent. But with everything that went into the win, especially on back-to-back weeks in dominating fashion, I believe the San Francisco 49ers gave us a reason to ask the question, are they the best team in the NFC right now? And in week five, looking around the league, there are certainly some teams that have a better record. You know, looking at Philadelphia and their 5-0 and record, Tampa Bay, Dallas is 4-1, and Minnesota's 4-1, and but the 49ers have the equation to the New York the Giants? number one team. Yeah, that's right. The New York Giants are 4-1 as well. But the Niners, the Niners got something going here, and I think it begs the question, like, are they number one? Because I could put together some reasons that, yes, they are the best team in the NFC. Well, I mean, if you're going off point differential, them and the Eagles tied for plus 47 overall in point differential this Stole season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have gotten to it earlier then. But I mean, I'm I'm I don't think I'm ready to say that this is the best team in the NFC. I am extremely confident this is the best team in the NFC West. The Rams offense just looks absolutely terrible. Their offensive line is bad and Matthew Stafford is physically unable to throw it to anyone not named Cooper Cup or Tyler Higbee. I do not believe in the Arizona Cardinals, and you guys know my thoughts on the Seattle Seahawks. The Niners, I think, far and away the best team in the NFC West. I would still, you know, probably put Philadelphia. I I still believe in in Tampa Bay and Green Bay to a certain extent. Um, I, I'm not sure I would say that they're clearly better than the San Francisco 49ers, but Philadelphia, their defense, and in considering the history of the 49ers struggling with mobile quarterbacks, I don't know how the Niners would do in a head-to-head matchup with Philadelphia. I think that the Eagles, Jalen Hurts, could really give the 49ers some fits. Uh, you know, they're a really good defense. They're going to, you know, not give up 30 points against them, I don't think, but it could be a struggle. Um, but I will say, Evan, I, you know, as I as I mentioned just a few minutes ago, if Jimmy Garoppolo can be consistently at the level that he was in this game, week five, the 37 to 15 win in Carolina, the 49ers will be fighting for the bye at the end of the regular season. Philadelphia is not going to go undefeated. They kind of remind me a little bit of last year's Arizona Cardinals, who were the last remaining undefeated team last year. Uh, And then, you know, things kind of fell tumbling down to the earth. I'm not necessarily saying that Philadelphia is going to follow a similar trajectory, but I think that they're not as good maybe as a lot of people are saying. They're going to get some losses when their schedule does turn and and they play some tougher teams. 
Uh, I'm not sure that they're far and away the best team in the NFC, and they're certainly not the best team in the NFL. Uh, but the 49ers, uh, I think, are up there with you know a select few teams. Uh, you can throw the Giants out of there. I do not care. Uh, I, I, I do generally like Minnesota, but I, I think the Niners would would be able to to beat them as well. But uh, I think it's it's a little too early for me to be having that conversation, and I have too much respect for some of the great veteran quarterbacks uh, in this conference to to be willing to say that the 49ers are are better than them at this moment whether they are or not the fact that we're able to it's wild have an argument like yeah. it, it's pretty interesting and i think it's a valid one too because like philly is five and oh they should be number one uh, but they almost got beat by the lions in week one uh, they almost lost today to the cardinals uh they almost and lost game on Sunday sh- the Car- and that game should have went to overtime it should have. And and their best win to this point is a dominating win against Minnesota, who, as you just kind of poked the hole in, like there are, there are a lot of question marks for that team, too. To that, me, what a, <laughs> That's I, also I think, uh, primetime Kirk Cousins, so I'm not sure that really counts. <laughs> well, don't tell Kyle Shanahan that. <laughs> but I just feel like top to bottom, the only team with with an argument as far as a better roster would be Philly. The reason that I have pause is not because of what the Niners are now. It's because of the losses that they currently have that could affect what they will be down the line. And as you mentioned, the amount of hits that they've taken each and every week, a big theme that we talked about coming into this week was that there are going to be reserves coming in for the Niners. We talked, we even, you know, theorized the defense maybe even getting better or taking it to another level. The offense can certainly get to another level. But when you see Nick Bosa, I know the the injury, as Kyle Shanahan described it, seemed to be a little more preemptive why they kept him off the field. Yeah. A groin is always a, a you know a fickle injury. You're not sure how severe it's going to be. And against the Carolina team you're handling, there's no risk, there's no reason to risk further injury. Uh, but Jimmy Ward comes back and unfortunately goes down in the first play. That was a guy that was expected to hopefully elevate the 49ers defense. And then, of course, Emmanuel Mosley. You know, his season's likely going to be done. How are they going to fill that spot? Is it going to be Ambry Thomas? Like, what are they going to do on the outside? Whereas at all three levels, I feel like their defense is the best in the NFL. But now the question becomes, can it continue to be if you don't have 100% of your soldiers out there? Well, I think it's something we talked about. It might have been last episode. It was certainly last week leading up to this game in Carolina the 49ers defense, I think, is as deep as it's been in the Kyle Shanahan era, and specifically in the defensive secondary. I and mean, we talked about getting Jimmy Ward back. Now, of course, you know, broken hand. We'll see what the future, you know, has in store for him this year. You expect Jason Verrett back at some point. Now, he has been, you know, extremely unlucky with injuries. You know, not to say that he's he's going to be healthy when he comes back this time, but I would say it would be relatively unwise to just blindly assume he's going to be healthy for the rest of the year. But still, even with that, you have Samuel Womack, a rookie who you are really happy with. Diamador Lenore has played well so far this year. Uh, You have more bodies to plug into holes. And while you never want to see injuries and 49ers are certainly hoping that Emmanuel Mosley did not tear his ACL and will probably know more, you know, on Monday when most of you are probably listening to this episode. Uh, but right now here, Sunday evening, we don't know for sure. They said they fear an ACL, but 
who knows what, you know, the MRI is going to reveal for them. But I have confidence that even with, let's assume that this is a season ending injury for Emmanuel Mosley, one that's really frustrating and you feel for the person because he was playing really, really good football early in this season. But I think the 49ers have enough depth in the secondary to survive an injury like this. You also consider the depth that they have in their front seven. The fact that Fred Warner, knock on wood, just as an Iron Man and will play every single snap for as long as he lives, you consider these other things and it helps the defensive secondary as well. Because if you can continue getting pressure on a quarterback, you're going to not need to defend, you know, elite receivers for nearly as long. So uh, while the injury and the potential injury to Emmanuel Mosley, the potential season ending, ending injury really sucks, I think the Niners have the depth to survive it. And to your point, I think that's something that catapults them maybe over a few other contenders in the NFC because they have the ability to survive some injuries. Now, unfortunately, it's going to be put to the test because they've had a number of injuries already, but I think they do have the ability and they have the depth to survive it. And I think to your point, that's maybe number uh, reason number one why you should consider them as the most talented roster in the NFC because they can survive some of these injuries. You, of course, hope they never happened, but when they do, I think this this uh, 49er team might be as well equipped to get past that as anyone else. Yeah, I do think their ceiling right now is as good as any team in the NFC. I mean, I, I think you can make that case, um, especially with their second straight dominating performance. All right, Mark, let's get to game balls. All right. We want to hand some love out. We want to make sure that people get the proper credit that they deserve for the effort right. today. 37-15. My game ball is going to Jeff Wilson ah, Jr. You took my pick. <laughs> well, what goes around comes around, Mark. <laughs> His third 100-plus yard game on the ground. 7.1 yards per carry. That is the second best in his career. And he really was the motor. He was the bell cow back that the 49ers in the majority of their games in which they've dominated, when they run the ball well, they usually run to a win. And Jeff Wilson Jr., despite the love that we gave to Tem and Coleman, and deservedly so, Jeff Wilson Jr. was the motor today. And that allowed, as we talked about, the offense to play the run off of the pass. It was the ultimate example of complimentary football. And though Jimmy Garoppolo was good at spreading the ball around, though George Kittle got involved, Ayuk did, Debo had another touchdown. To me, it began and ended with the running game, which was spearheaded by Jeff Wilson Jr. Good pick. Really good pick. I agree 100%. Uh, since you went offense, I suppose I'll, I'll take someone on the defense um, maybe not someone that jumps out to you immediately. You know, the first name that you probably think of is Emmanuel Mosley uh, because of the pick six and certainly want to shout him out. He played a great game. And of course, we hope that his knee injury is not as serious as the Niners are fearing. But you know what? I'm going to go with Mooney Ward. Uh, Mooney, don't call me Charvarius Ward. He had a phenomenal <laughs> game. You know, you don't really hear a lot from him because, you know, I think quarterbacks are learning. Don't throw the ball his way because he is that good. I mean, he had four passes defended in this game. Uh, he had a great breakup in the end zone where he was just racing back full extension, knocked the ball away. Uh, he was the 49ers big offseason acquisition coming over from the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know about you, but I have been 
extremely impressed by his performance through five games. He has been phenomenal. And I, I mean, through five games, I'm willing to say he's the best cover corner the 49ers have had in I don't know how long. He has played incredible and he is becoming, you know, a guy, as I mentioned, that quarterbacks are not going to throw against because, you know, they're learning how good he is. He is capable of taking star receivers out of games. He is showing that through five weeks. So my game ball on the defensive side goes to Mooney Ward. He was phenomenal once again. Yeah, I think I can only recall one catch that he allowed, and it was potentially an offense pass interference with Robbie <laughs> Anderson's kind of pushing off. Uh, best offseason contract the 49ers handed out? Mooney mean, Ward? Oh, I think it's without a doubt for the 49ers. Yeah, it, it might be one of the better contracts you know, off-season contracts across the league. Um, well, including the extension handed out to Debo. Uh, then you, yeah, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a tougher conversation. <laughs> All right, we're, we're, we'll, we'll, we'll maybe extend that conversation <laughs> in the next episode. Just want to leave it with, the, with a little cliffhanger there, Mark. Sorry, <sighs> I apologize. Throwing that in there. Sneaking it into the very end of the episode. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in, as always, to the 415ers podcast. Download, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And this is an episode we had a lot of fun doing, of course, after a 37-15 Week 5 win for the 49ers against the Panthers. And I'm looking forward to Wednesday's episode, Mark, because right now the 49ers are on track and they are trending upwards. And it's going to be a lot of fun this season. Yeah, a lot to talk about. Looking forward to it, Evan. All right, take it easy, everyone. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. This has been the 415ers podcast. Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy. We'll talk to you next time.